0: To the Planet E and Me podcast. Yep, together we're changing the world. Welcome to the first ever Planet E and Me podcast. This show is about everyday people like you and me and what we can do to help the earth. Together we'll explore different issues through stories, songs, and interviews. And because actions are more powerful than words, each week we we will give our featured guest a fun challenge to complete. To find out how they did, and for more tips, visit our website at planeteandme.com. Let's begin today's episode with a simple idea, a universal truth that we can all agree on. So here's a universal truth I want to throw out at you and uh, hopefully you agree with me. I think we can all agree that people need food. We all need food. We eat it every day. We love food. Some of us are food obsessed. I might fall into that category. Now, it's interesting. We say we love food and we eat a lot of it, but the truth is we throw a lot of it away too. According to the UN, we throw about 30% of all of our food away. So here's a number for you, right? 30% 1.3 billion metric tons a year. Now, I'm not up on my metric because that 80s metric education really failed. So I had to look it up. One metric ton is 2,204 pounds. So if my calculations are correct, we're throwing away 3 3 trillion, pounds of food every single year. Wow. And that's like, um, let's say you go and you buy 10 cheeseburgers and you're just driving down the road and you just chuck three of them out the window. So we're wasting an awful lot of food. It's a pretty big deal when you think about all the people that are hungry in the world, but not just that. There's also all the resources that are put into creating that food. You have the fertilizers and the pesticides. You have the fossil fuels to transport it and produce it. You have all the work that people do to go into it. So right now, we're really not respecting food. I'm getting pretty heavy on you, but that's just leading me to the good news. And the good news is that this is a very fixable problem. It's something we can all take apart in changing. We don't need to wait for a new law. We don't need to throw lots of money at it. All we need to do is stop wasting, right? And waste, by definition, is the stuff you don't want. So what we need to do is make less of the stuff we don't want anyways. Hmm. Doesn't seem like too bad a thing to try out not wasting goes, of course, not just for food, but for everything. Today, I'm going to have a person very near and dear to my heart on, and that's my father, Bruce Morris. He is a huge proponent of the waste-not-want-not philosophy, so we'll talk to him a little bit later. It turns out that I come from a whole long line of, uh, I guess to put it nicely, uh frugal people. So we'll learn a little bit about my grandfather and my great-grandfather in today's episode. When I was a kid, we used to go to my dad's parents about once a month. Now, they lived in Monterey, Massachusetts, so that's not terribly far from Connecticut. We Maybe took an hour, but when you're a kid, you know, it can seem like forever. So my parents would bundle the four of us, me and my three sisters, into the back of whatever car we happened to have at the time, and we'd pass the time usually singing songs like, She'll Be Coming Round the Mountain, or Tie a Yellow Ribbon, and if mom and dad got into it, we'd sing their favorite songs for them, too, and mom's favorite song was I Have Lost My Underwear an old classic. And Dad's, even better, was Old Dunderback. It was a song about a man who had invented a sausage meat machine, and one night his wife was having a nightmare, and she accidentally ground Old Dunderback into sausage meat after he'd gone into the machine to fix it. So, pretty sad. Pretty sad ending. If we got really lucky on our ride up, um, Dad would stop at McDonald's and he'd buy us one burger each. You know, he'd just go inside. He didn't ask us what we wanted or anything. He'd just buy us a single burger. I don't even think they had cheese, but we were happy for that burger. But come to think of it, you know what he never got us? Drinks. And now, looking back, I think there was a method to his madness. If we didn't have drinks, that meant that we probably wouldn't need to use the bathroom as much. But if we had the burger, that meant we probably wouldn't be as hungry when we got to my grandparents. Hmm. Very clever, Dad. After a while, we would get to a long dirt driveway and eventually arrive in front of a small red house. My sisters and I were allowed to say a quick hello to my grandparents, and then we were shoot outside to play. That was fine with me. I actually loved being outside, and the yard, my grandparents' yard, was beautiful. It had these huge, tall trees, and one of them had a swing hanging from it, and right next to that there was a large blueberry bush where we would gather blueberries in the summertime. And In the fall, we'd jump into piles of leaves. And then around the edge of the whole property, there was a border of blackberry and raspberry bushes. Down below that, there was a brook running by, a stream. So it was all really very enticing. The house itself was a different story altogether. On the occasions when we were actually let inside the house, we had to be on our super best behavior. So we would sit quietly in the living room, which was dark paneling and olive green carpeting. We'd usually sit on the floor because the couches were covered in plastic and in the summer, you know, it sticks to your legs. So that was very uncomfortable. But we we would sit on the floor and we'd play games of rummy or, you know, we'd look at the seashell collection that was in this very ornate frame on the wall. And sometimes we'd pick out our favorites, but we never touch, never, never touch. So it wasn't the most um, exciting of times, to say the least. And the worst thing about it was that no matter what the weather was outside or the time of day, the lights were kept very dim. So it was quite a dark room. And the irony of all that is that my grandfather at the time was an antique dealer, and his, he specialized in lamps. So the room was filled with lamps of all kinds. And my sisters and I, we would live in fear of accidentally breaking one of them. So again, we looked, but we never touched all these pretty unlit lamps. They had these sparkling crystals hanging down. If they you know, caught the sun just right, they would make a rainbow on the wall sometimes if if we were lucky again we would get a snack while we were there and because grandma had been incapacitated by actually several strokes she was a lifetime chain smoker grandpa always made the snack for us and it'd be something like a couple of vanilla wafers or maybe a piece of waffle with a small scoop of ice cream and the drinks came in these tiny well they were like baby yellow plastic cups really like the size of about a shot glass and as grandpa delivered them to us he he'd always say these words of wisdom he would say nurse it and that's like a running joke with me and my sisters now (laughs) we give somebody something and we'll say nurse it and that just was code for like there's no seconds on drinks and napkins were paper towels torn in halves or quarters and if by chance we needed to use a bathroom while we were at my grandparents, there was a rule. And that was, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, then flush it down. Now, back then, I thought Grandpa was a little miserly. But after some reflection, I realized that he was really just a product of his times. His father was an immigrant who had landed on Ellis Island in 1903, and he was part of that great wave of southern Italians, poor southern Italians, looking for a better life. And arriving at 12 years old, Umberto Ciavellino, his father, eventually became Nathan Morris, owner of an import-export jewelry business. He passed on the value of hard work to his son, Ed, my grandfather. Now, Ed was an extremely hard worker first working as a plumber for Pratt & Whitney, then the shipyard, and sometime after that he became an entrepreneur. He opened his own carpentry shop and made everything from miter boxes to children's toys to high-end kitchen cabinets, and even once he made a, a basketball court that was shipped to South America. So both father and son were very hard workers. They lived through the Depression. They understood the value of things. They knew that if you work hard for something, you certainly don't want to see it go to waste. All your hard work and your money and wasting food was probably the ultimate sin. My great-grandfather once had a cat and instead of throwing out spaghetti that he couldn't finish, he fed it to the cat and he saved money on the cat food. My grandfather felt the same way about wasting food and my father even more so. So there was a rule if it was on your dinner plate, then you were eating it. And if you were foolish enough to not eat it that night, then it would be on your plate the next morning as leftovers. And though I found these rules odd and sometimes difficult, there's no doubt that they stuck with me in some way. It's not uncommon for me to take the remains of three different meals and merge them into some odd breakfast combination just to finish them up. Another behavior that I inherited is trying to save energy. So I'll go around the house shutting lights off that my husband's turn on sometimes while he's still using them. Somewhere along the line, we even started using half sheets of recycled paper towels for napkins. My dad saw us doing this and he he just kind of said, ah, look at that. As if to say, see, maybe grandpa had it right. Thinking back on those times that my grandparents inspired me to write a song, it is actually my first song that I've ever written, and in honor of those memories, I've called it Nurse It. And here to sing it for us today is Mike P., one of the Planet E and Me singers. Enjoy.
1: Times were tough. He worked hard for a dollar. There wasn't always enough. He taught us everything has value each nail, each bolt, and screw. And if your favorite toy breaks, you'd better find some glue. He'd say, Nurse that cup of apple juice, stretch it nice and long, enjoy it while you have it. When it's gone, it's gone My daddy learned from grandpa All the old school ways Eat all that's on your plate Or it'll be there the next day Cream of wheat and liverwurst Don't make my favorites page Eat them quick cause I'm telling you They don't get better with age Always say, there's that cup of apple juice, stretching nice and long, enjoy it while you have happy cause when it's gone, it's gone. Look around the world today, so littered with a waste, I'd wonder what my grandpa'd say to see our big disgrace. We'd probably all be better off if we lived by Grandpa's rules. Patch that shirt, mend that shoe. That's what we should do. Nurse that cup of apple juice, stretch it nice and long. Enjoy it while you have cause when it's gone, it's gone. Nurse that. Nice and long, enjoy it while you have happy, Cause when it's gone, it's gone. Cause when it's gone, it's gone.
2: <laughs> I got you, babe.
0: Alright, there we got that on tape, see? And we're still rolling. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is the very first episode of Planet E and Me, and who better to have on the show than my very own dad, Bruce Morris. Welcome to the show, Dad.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Awesome. And today, you know, we're talking about one subject that's very near and dear to your heart, waste. So, I think one thing people should know is that you just reached the ripe old age of 80 years old last March, so that means you grew up in the 1940s. And your parents had lived through the Great Depression, so they probably were very aware of issues surrounding waste. I was just wondering, what is your earliest memory of them teaching you about the importance of not wasting?
2: Well, it uh, was centered around eating food and not wasting it, and that we were to eat whatever we were served, and not complain to them <laughs> about what we were being given to eat, and uh They used the saying, which was in those ages, about uh, think of all the children around the world who are going to bed tonight without, without any food and be grateful you have the food that you do have. And then to my parents' credit, I want to say that You know, if they learned that there was something we really (laughs) despised, they would either try not to serve it or in the future when they made that, they would give a smaller portion so that we weren't required to clean our plate of that particular food.
0: That makes sense. I think a lot of people can probably relate to that with their parents telling that. You told us that growing up, so I'm used to that. When it came to other things and not wasting, did they teach you about that kind of thing as well?
2: Oh, yes. I mean, uh, we, were, we were to take care of the things that we had in our possession and uh, not uh, treat them like they were worthless, but instead uh, to treat them like they, we was, they were something we'd like to keep, perhaps even for the rest of our lives and take care of them rather than abusing them
0: do you think people felt differently about things when you were growing up material things did they have more value to people then
2: well yes uh, in line with what i just said they uh, you know first of all you got less and so you had uh, your gratitude was for what you did have and not a million things and uh, and uh, yeah, they, we were to take care of the the items, and and we did. I mean, and, uh, it wasn't the surplus that we have today I think. So today, there's a tendency. Well, you know, if this one drops and breaks or gets ruined somehow, there's three or four more in the drawers or in the closet. So mm-hmm. it's uh, why why worry about it.
0: In your lifetime, when did you notice things start to shift from that attitude of, I have something that's precious or valuable to me, I'm going to take care of it, to, you know, oh, it just doesn't matter, I can get a new one. Do, do you recall?
2: Probably when uh, I had a family of my own and see how we treated our children about eating or taking care of things and how they treated the food or the articles that they had to deal with on a daily basis and uh, you know they they had different set of peers obviously so you know uh, if johnny down the street had something that was part of the the clothing that people were w- wearing in in our children's age you know, they had to have it i we, my sisters and i uh you know, we expressed our desires, but I, I'll give a for instance. I wanted to play first base on the baseball team and I wanted a new glove. Back in day, those days, they were only about maybe $40, but that was a tremendous amount of money in the 40s. So I had to wait about a year and I got a new glove and, you know, I cherished it. I probably took it to bed with me the first few nights. It uh, I kept it through the years until uh, I went in the army and then I honestly don't don't know what happened and and that was, and so that was like... after I'd completed law school so it was I was in my mid twenties when I lost track of it
0: right so you you talked about today and how things are easy to come by a lot of things are disposable and you know actually made they have built in obsolescence. So in a world like this, I see you still practicing a lot of conservation habits that a lot of folks don't even bother with. Can you share a little bit about the things that you do?
2: Well, uh, two things come to mind. One, I purchase good shoes and take good care of them, and then if they fall into a state of being worn, then I seek out a... uh, shoemaker and, and have them repaired and, and restored to the condition they were before. Although I must admit it's getting harder and harder to find a shoemaker nowadays to to do that. And, uh, and another thing that comes to mind is uh, when we eat, eat out, either at a restaurant where we eat at a table inside the restaurant or a drive in, and uh, they give us extra napkins. I I take care of the extra napkins. I don't throw them out. I save them and either uh, bring them home and, and use them at home or else I keep them in the car and and use them And rather than just throwing them away and wasting them because they gave us extra.
0: Yeah, I would say you do a lot more than just those two things. You definitely do those two, but... I know that some of your clothes have probably been around for quite a long time. I mean, but the thing is, you take care of them, you buy quality, and then you, you take good care of them. Right. Yeah. And what about That's... other things, like conservation of of water and different resources?
2: Well, I try to uh, make sure I don't overdo it when taking a shower and that, when I'm uh, loading the dishwasher, I I load it uh, completely before running it, and the same with uh, with the clothes washer and
1: mm-hmm.
2: fill the washer up and then then do it. Not. Uh,
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me too, and that's because I grew up with you and you <laughs> taught me all these things that I should be doing. I still remember. Uh, you pointing out to Grandma Ellison's shoes, saying, wow, look how nice your grandmother keeps her shoes. Because it used to really bug you when we shoved our shoes, our feet in our shoes and ruining the heel of them. Because I think those Buster Browns were really expensive, weren't sure, they, back they in
2: were. the they were. I'm sure I tell you now, as I told you then, all you need is a shoehorn or lacking that you can... Use a couple of fingers to help your foot get into the shoes.
0: That's true. You never did get any of us to use a shoehorn, I don't think. (laughs) I'll have to ask my sisters, but I'm pretty sure nobody uses a shoehorn. But I do untie my shoes these days. (laughs) (laughs) But you taught us lots of lessons about the value of things and the value of money. I remember, you know, we had money. We had the things we needed. We didn't always have the things we wanted, But we had everything we needed, and Mm. I remember I learned the value of money by you lining up the coins on the TV set for each of our lunches. Lunch was 40 cents, so you'd have a pile of dimes, and then you'd have a pile of a quarter, a dime, and a nickel. And so 40 cents today for me is really easy to calculate. (laughs) (laughs) So so that had a couple purposes. Um, There's a book called This Changes Everything by Naomi Klein, and in the book... She suggests that if we went back to the standard of living we had in the 1970s, that we could actually do a lot to help the environment, and um, it would go a lot a, a long way towards uh, fighting climate change. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think uh, she's right, but I would suggest that maybe Ms. Klein ought to even go back earlier in the 70s, except she might be a lot younger than me so she wouldn't remember a lot earlier than <laughs> the 70s.
0: That's true but you know what I love the 70s I thought it was a great time I mean that was my growing up but things were simpler then. I felt but in a really good way like we would go outside and play outside the way kids a lot of times don't today and, and we would play Red Rover and Mother May I and all these outside games and we didn't need the expensive endless entertainment systems and all that you, mom would just say go outside and when we were really young we'd play under the for cynthia bushes and that was like a magical fort to us and i feel like a lot of kids these days don't get that outside experience
2: well i i agree i think it was the first president bush that said it was a kinder gentler society back then and like i have to agree with
0: that yeah and just in terms of vacations i mean going on a plane is like a huge cost of fossil fuels and and i think in growing up i remember taking one vacation on a plane but otherwise we went camping and we um you know we went to that movie theater down the street which i love the drive-in movie when we were really little you used to mom would get us all in our pajamas <laughs> and we'd go and we'd play at the playground at the Plainville Drive-In movie and then we'd watch the movie and come home and that was a real treat back then. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like, um, you know, today you do things like you go out to eat and I'm like, eh, it's, it's more effort than it's worth sometimes. Whereas back then, if we went out to eat, it really was a treat. I remember my friend Lori their family would go out once a week, every Wednesday, to eat. And that seemed like a real extravagance to me back then. But people go out, you know, every day now.
2: And I don't mean to pick on restaurants, because I referred to them earlier as being free with handing out the napkins and me trying to see that they were used, but... um, today they they give you these gigantic portions many of them mm-hmm. seemingly to just to justify the price they're going to charge you and uh, even a big eater like myself can't, can't possibly eat all what they serve so you know why not cut down on the portions and 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 cut the prices a little bit and and save the person the money and save society the food that's being uh, thrown out. And then you say, well, you take it home sometimes uh, in takeouts, the containers uh, true, but then oftentimes when you take it home, you don't have the same... Yen to have that particular food, so you end up throwing it out, and meanwhile, you've wasted the container too, which oftentimes is plastic rather than paper. Yeah, so styrofoam. It, it becomes a double waste.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I've gotten in the habit of when I go to restaurants, and for example, Chipotle's has three tacos. And at one price. You can't get two tacos. You get three tacos. But I just say, look, I'll take the two tacos, same price. Because I'm not going to eat it. It's going to get wasted. So, eh, what's the difference, right? And you save the takeout container that you're not going to use anyways. So, I agree 100% on that. So, anyways, I think one of your biggest bugaboos, and you kind of mentioned this, but your biggest bugaboo of all time has to be food waste. And... I just wanted to know why is that such an important issue to you? Is it the money thing, or or what do you think that is?
2: No, it, 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 money is important, but uh, you know, more important is the fact that if we don't uh, eat it, what's going to happen to it? Most times today, people don't raise pigs or hogs out behind their house, and thus have a ready receiver of the leftover food so it ends up going in the landfill being completely wasted so it is deeply important to me that's the way I was raised I believe in it and uh, that's the way I raised you
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you did in fact do you remember um, when mom decided she was tired of cooking I mean she's she's got four daughters and a husband and she just decided she was She was tired of cooking all the meals, so she had us each, including you, take one night a week. Do you remember that?
2: Yes, but uh, go ahead. uh, (laughs) I'll interrupt. I I, was only one meal I usually made if it was supper. I'd make homemade spaghetti sauce with a lot of olive oil and garlic in it and make that. It's very simple and... uh, you folks were kind enough to eat it so I got by with making the same thing I guess pasta once a week isn't too bad
0: but then sometimes some of us would also make pasta like Wendy made pasta and she burnt it to the bottom of the pot and we ate it right Right. (laughs) and then another time I think, actually, it might have been pasta. I made it, and I um, was experimenting with the red pepper flakes. I didn't realize they were so hot and spicy. I think <laughs> you and Mom were not happy about that one.
2: No, especially me, because I don't like spicy food.
0: <laughs> right, and um, Karen would always make either chicken or hot dogs, and I really don't remember what Kathy made at all. <laughs> but I have a feeling, like, After that, mom probably just got sick of all that food. You think that's what happened? Probably. It wasn't the best food.
2: It rejuvenated
0: her. It did. I think she was more than happy to cook after that experiment. First, Mark always blames. My cooking on like the Plainville school system and says we didn't have a good home ec. And that's because he also went to a friend of mine who um, went through the Plainville school system and says uh, she gave him tomato sauce that was made from ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think I'm a fine cook, but that's all right. I think back then definitely had a lot to learn about cooking. (laughs) But were there times like even you could not suffer through some of those those meals? Just you regretted your must-eat-everything-on-your-plate philosophy. Well,
2: if you're referring to my youth, yeah, there were times, and I, I don't mean a, this is a put-down to my parents, but the rules were the rules, and if you didn't eat it and, you, you, and you, you stayed at the dinner table till we all were excused, and, and then you went to bed and you didn't, you know, you didn't couldn't play games or... We had a television, my family was blessed in that regard, if you like TV, and we had one early on from 1948, at least on, and so you weren't going to watch television if you didn't, if you hadn't eaten your supper. Could you do your homework? Yes, of course. I mean, uh,
0: well, like father, like son, because I remember plenty of times where we had to finish our food and. If, it, if not, it was there the next day, and that was kind of a joke. In fact, I brought it up to Wendy the other day, and she's like, yeah, there's nothing like soggy Rice Krispies to make you finish your plate the first day, right? But, you know, right. the point of all of that is food waste is a huge issue in the United States alone. Forty percent of all the food gets wasted. And that's coming at a time when a significant portion of the American public is uh, food insecure, which means they can't count on uh, healthy food three times a day, you know, enough to keep active and healthy. And so that's one out of every eight Americans is food insecure right now. And then there's also, of course, the environmental issues, which you mentioned earlier with the landfill. That's Food waste is the, uh, the largest portion of um, municipal landfills. So we're throwing food that could be eaten away. And what that means is that all of that energy and time and all the resources that went into producing that food and transporting it and all the other issues around it, that's all wasted too. So the human effort, the fossil fuels that go into it, and then the land. So every time you expand an agricultural area, you're pretty much taking away a wildlife area. So if we could reduce that significantly we could help a lot with environmental issues and so i was wondering how you think we should go about doing that what's some what are some good tips for reducing food
2: waste well i think uh, one i suggested earlier try and find a way to talk to the restaurants into cutting uh, Down the portions even if uh, even if they don't reduce the price commensurately just cut down the portions and uh, then they can take their chance whether the public will come and eat there or not because we shouldn't be going to restaurants for the size of the portions we should be going for the quality of the food Mm -hmm. and um, can uh, grow your own garden
0: yeah, I think those are really good tips. I think for all of us, not just restaurants, we can be reducing our portion size. Most Americans, a lot of Americans, I won't say most, but a lot of Americans do overeat, and that has to do with portion size. And um, I think another thing you can do is we talked about this a little bit is is value your food more and become better at cooking it and, and kind of taking care of it. You know, that's part of it is if you, if you are enjoying the meal that you're eating, there's less chance you're going to waste it and it's going to be more satisfying. So maybe you don't need as much if you like it, you know, you'll, your brain will feel satisfied. Like, oh yeah, I had a good meal. I found that when the food is not as good, I actually tend to eat more or I'll go grab something else because whatever I had, i didn't like and i feel like i need something more which is a really bad habit um and then of course buying locally and just what you need because anytime you can buy local you're cutting out that transportation you're supporting small farmers so those are there's a lot of things i think we as individuals can do um, to help with that now this is a big question i think you have six grandchildren and one great grandchild now, and another one on the way. What kind of world would you like them to live in?
2: First, a world that's at peace. And um, that relates to people don't have to fight over food, and it looks like dire predictions about people fighting over water and water rights. Uh, How can there be peace? And uh, um, I wouldn't want them or any other child to go to bed hungry at night. And uh, it's not likely since, you know, they're fortunate enough to be born in America that they're going to face hunger to the degree that they would have to go to bed hungry at night. But how about all the other children in the world that... I think there actually
0: that. are a lot of kids in the U.S. that go hungry at night. Um, I know the community where I work, we've started a backpack program at our library for kids. So the town actually um, fills up a backpack with food for them each time they come to the library. And, and then um, another place in town, they have breakfast for them. Because when the kids aren't in school, they're not even getting you know that meal they would have gotten So I think sometimes kids do go hungry, which is sad when we just said we're throwing away 40% of our food resources. Well, I agree. A world at peace would be a beautiful thing, wouldn't it? And so what do we need to get there? A world at peace where people have enough. Not everything they want, but enough. What do we need to do?
2: We need to uh, share with each other and not be... uh think of our own selves all the time or even our own immediate family. We need to reach out and share with each other.
0: I think that's a good tip too. Like give more of ourselves, right? And think of it in sense of community and and worlds, you know, greater community and not just me, me, me. That's a good good point. All right, so <laughs> you know that part of being on the show involves the level up challenge. So, at Planet EME, we have a challenge to our guests and our listeners, and this is the Level Up Challenge. You're already working uh, on waste issues on your individual level, which is great, but The truth is that we all need to be working at a variety of levels levels, in order to make an impact on the most pressing environmental issues. So beyond the personal level, there's the family level, and then beyond that is your neighborhood and community. That includes work and faith groups. And then there's the town, state, national, and global levels. So the next level for you would be your community or town level. i thought we could work on some food rescue issue how does that sound to you fine Fine. okay good yeah. you don't even know what you're in for yet but i love it <laughs> so well, i'm gonna so.
2: put you on the spot and ask if maybe we could uh, see what the plainville food pantry needs are too because since i live in plainville and uh I know that uh, governmental funding has been cut back and uh, so
0: Oh, that's great. So uh, that'd be wonderful. We can we can work on a project in your community. Um, so maybe we could look at the needs that are already being met in Plainville in terms of the food bank and then what what needs they have. So I know that you personally know some grocery store owners so we can check into the different grocery stores in your town and see who's already you know providing the things they're no longer using to the food bank and who's not and maybe the ones who aren't we can we can look at that and see if there's a way they could do reach that reach
2: out to them and see yeah. if they would well, that's
0: perfect for you, Dad, now that you're retired, although I noticed you're working just as much as you did before, if not more. Uh, but, but you're a people person, so to me, you're exactly the kind of person to do this. This You love to talk to people, and, um, and you have a good rapport with them, so I think... You know, anybody who's like that in our listening audience might want to do that in their own community, too. So we're asking our listeners to either work on their waste on an individual level or to do what you're doing. And what we'll do is we'll check in with you to see how you did. And as part of our Level Up Challenge, we are going to um, ask our listener to support Bruce's favorite environmental charity, For your charity, you've chosen Natural Resources Defense Council, which I think is a great one for you, Dad, because they work hard to uh, advocate for laws and policies that protect people, wildlife, and natural systems, and I know you're specifically interested in the plight of the honeybee, and they're working hard to help honeybees and other insects, Okay, so what we're asking our listeners to do is to go to planetenme.com and you will find Bruce's wonderful picture there and you click on the button that says Donate and that'll get you to the right spot. And, you know, the donation size doesn't matter. $5, $50, $500, that'd be awesome. I think uh, maybe we'll work towards 200 this week. That'd Does that sound fun. good? All right, so... Like I said, if you can go to planetenme.com and make a donation, we're also asking people to subscribe to our podcast and help us out there. If you like today's podcast, make sure to subscribe so that you can get a link in your emails every time we do a new podcast. And for all of those subscribers, we do have a lottery item. This time we'll put your name in a hat and I will choose somebody to be the proud winner of a free roll of Who Gives a Crap toilet paper. And yes, it is a new roll that's fully wrapped. And this toilet paper is pretty cool because it's made out of bamboo. So uh, one lucky winner will win that. All of you listeners, be sure to go to our website and post on the blog article about the actions of significance that you've taken related to food waste we'd love to hear from you and see what you're doing and i think this will provide a lot of support to bruce as he works on his challenge all right anything else you want to add in there
2: just thank you for having me
0: well thanks for being here awesome job dad
2: thank you (laughs)